Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. Now, I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who was nominated for a Grammy earlier this year for Best Country Song. He makes us sound like angels. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, go to Spotify and look up our playlist, And The Writer Is, or go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy this podcast, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, this week's guest on And The Writer Is is one half of Stargate. Stargate is part of the super producer class of producers. They've been part of developing careers with Neo and Rihanna. They did Firework for Katy Perry. They did Beyonce Records, Coldplay Records, Wiz Khalifa Records. That's how diverse they are. And not only that, they just released their first single as an artist called Waterfall, featuring Sia in pink. Their debut single is featuring Sia in pink. They're that big. So I'm excited for you to hear this. I know that they've been part of a number of people's careers, but um, I also owe them a lot because my first two number one songs were with them. Now, we talk about a number of people in this interview that you should know about. We talk about Esther, who's Esther Dean. We talk about Ty Ty, the founder of Rock Nation. We talk about Benny, who's Benny Blanco, who you would know because he is uh, our first guest on And The Writer Is. We talk about Amar, who's Amar Malik, Dano, who's Robopop. We talk about Sandy V. We talk about Cashmere Cat, who also is having an amazing moment as an artist. So it's an exciting interview with somebody who's a true entrepreneur in the music business and outside of that. In fact, he's a founder of Johnny Love clothing brand and spinnable app. So um, without further ado, here is And The Writer Is. Featuring Mikkel Erickson from Stargate. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's Man of the Hour has written and produced more than a dozen number one songs. And yet that number doesn't include the dozen number one songs in the UK. And that number doesn't include an additional 40 top 10 songs. He broke Neo's career, has had six number one songs with Rihanna a number one song with Beyonce, and he did Firework for Katy Perry. Most importantly, he co-wrote my first country number one, Compass, and my first pop number one, Same Old Love. From Norway, this half of Stargate plays piano with more soul than anyone I've ever met. 
And the writer is my favorite Scandinavian entrepreneur, Mikael Eriksson. Thank you. All right. Hey, how are you, Ross? I'm good. I, I like that. I uh, it's fun because I always think of you as this vocal producer with me because right. you managed yeah, to course. get you like pull uh, that kind of performance out of me. So uh, I like when you say that uh, that we can go and edit things like the intro, which maybe or maybe maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Who knows? You won't know because you'll hear only one version of it. Great. You're easy to produce. So ah, well, thank good. you. Thank you. So uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I always like t- starting with where we first met. Yeah. And uh, and I, there's no way you know this, but in September of 2012, I came in for a session where I was in Studio B here at Westlake, and uh, and I walked in and there was a thumb drive of tracks, and it was all listed like. Esther 42, Esther 61, Esther 73. It was like a folder of Esther, of Esther no tracks. Way. Yeah, yeah. And I was so <laughs> intimidated because here, and then you guys walk in and here are these, you know, six foot three and four Scandinavian <laughs> white guys who are bald and I'm this short Jewish guy, you know, uh, and, and, I'm, uh, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but I'm going to go in the booth and record. And I think that... It it was it was obviously bad enough that I'm pretty sure that it never left an impression. So I'm glad that, that I think had it been had it been terrible, you guys would have noticed it, and had it been uh, really good, you would have noticed it. But I think I landed sort of in the middle. Exactly, and- we've been there many many times, and um, I've probably written about a thousand terrible songs and maybe another thousand decent ones, and hopefully I mean- then. Do you Maybe get a hundred good ones? <laughs> do you get uh, do you get nervous at all? Do you get intimidated when you're working with Coldplay? When you're working with Lionel Richie? I don't know. I mean, you meet with everybody. Is there anyone at this point that makes you nervous? Uh, no, not like professionally. I don't. I, I'm not nervous. I'm pretty confident that uh, I can do a good job. At sure. least if there's some sort of chemistry, it has to be a natural fit. Sure. When did you start working with idols? I mean, did you have Norwegian idols when you were younger that all of a sudden, wow, I'm working with, I don't know, a Norwegian idol. So, I mean... No, not that many. I was always more drawn to American and international sure. music. Sure. Um, there's been a couple. There's a iconic big singer called uh, Sissel Kirchebe, just okay. a classical singer, amazing voice. And uh-huh. we got to work with her uh, a few years um, uh, after she she was Wait, okay so going back to when you start how young are you when you start playing piano mm. i was 7 8 years old when i started taking lessons but before that my mom was an actress and singer oh okay so we had like musical kindergarten in our house sure and always had musical instruments uh, laying around and we had pianos and guitars and percussion instruments and my own first instrument was actually a bass guitar that my dad made for me he made made it out of it was very primitive it was made out of like woods wooden planks and then strings and he he had an amp that he connected it to and it it was playable do you still have it no i'm afraid not i wish i had though did it did your dad 
was he making other instruments or was he just he just knew that you wanted to do it yeah at- he he is um like an engineer computer um but he just was a fan genius of music. so um yeah so that's where I got the technical side I mean my mom's just creative and then he's the tech side so we when I was growing up too we always had like the the first commercially available computers oh right so okay. all like the sharp 10 and the Amigas and the Commodore 64s and all of that we had in our house. And of course, I was into music, so I, I was playing around with music programs on those early, early computers. That's I started really programming and sampling like in the early 80s when I was a kid. Wow. When you say you're a kid at that point, so you're... The, I, mean, I was like you're 12 not, at that you're point. You're 12 and yeah. you're already doing sort of computer music. Yeah. Where is this in Norway? Trondheim. It's um, third, fourth, maybe biggest city in uh, Norway, but it's still super, super small. Sure. It's about 200,000 people uh, that live there. Do, um, do, does everyone from that town know who you are? They have to. I mean, I know, I know how much press you guys get when you go home and all that. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. is that town, is there like a statue of you in the middle of the uh, town or something? <laughs> not exactly. Um, a lot of people know who we are in Norway. Sure. Much more than here. Sure. Um, but it's, it's nice. I mean, people come up and say, oh, I love what you guys have done, and sure. it's inspiring to see that it's possible. And, and that's, Do you go that's, home at all? Yeah, go home a lot. Is, every, every summer and sometimes for Christmas. And, how, yeah. did you meet, uh, how did you meet Tor? We met at uh, Warner Music in uh, Norway because he used to work as um, head of A&R. For Warners, ah right, Wins. and he had his own projects and writing songs and uh, did his own thing. And so you uh, were producing and writing at that point, and then he I was A and R, and he was like, "We should do this together." Yeah, I was working with another um, other guy and had built the studio and had a lot of projects going on. We we made money from doing commercials and uh-huh. um, that kind of stuff. Sure, and we used that money to finance our our, our own projects, and then. Um, and another friend of mine said, Tor and myself, you're the only two guys in Norway I know that are into kind of R&B music, basically. Right. Nobody in Norway was checking Are there for any that R&B Norwegian singers? How do you go from, you know, I just don't, un- I, I can't quite figure out how you end up, how you and Tor end up becoming the voice of R&B for 10 years. I mean, how does, how do you guys end up going from there to, oh, here's Neo and Rihanna and Beyonce. And how do you go from the small town in Norway and say, oh, we're the only R&B guys. Of course you're the only R&B right. guys there. <laughs> Man, what, what's the connection between it's- that and... It's just the love for music, always drawn to soulful music. Grew up listening to a lot of Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin, and I was playing around the house. Because your mom was in music? Yeah. And and so she was the one, she was always like, this is, is that how she sings? Uh, Yeah, she's pretty soulful. Um, Amazing voice, great inspiration. Um, And then... um, I guess Tor, Tor and myself we just shared a lot of those references. Right. And um, what was the first project you guys worked on where you realized, oh yeah, this is actually this is real. We should we should now name our duo 
Stargate. I mean, at first, it, it's not like the first time you write, you say, we are a writing team. You know, how does no. it go? You no, know, what was that process? Organically. He was working on an um, act called the Nora, a Norwegian pop artist, sure. but very soulful black girl. Um, there weren't that many of those in Norway either. Right. Um, when and is And that's this? also when, when I was t- uh, late. 90s, so 97, 98. Uh-huh. And that's also how we met our management, Tim Blacksmith and Danny D. Uh, Tor commissioned Tim to do a remix of of that artist that we were working on. Oh, okay. And then Tim came to the studio in Trondheim and st- and he heard what else we were working on and saw the studio and he was, he was blown away and said he couldn't believe it that these yeah. two guys up in Actually, we're three guys then, uh, up in uh, Trondheim, and we're making this music. Sure. So he said, uh, "Let me bring this to my partner Danny, and um, we would love to represent you guys for the UK market." Sure. So that's how we started getting into doing remixes for for the UK. That's okay. kind of got how we got started. How did what? First of all, what happened to the third guy? Uh, he's in Norway. Uh-huh. Still a good good friend of mine, and yeah. um, we hang out. He's yeah. still doing music, but yeah. for family reasons, he couldn't travel yeah. to the U.S. Right. But he was part of the years in um, in the U.K. Sure. So all the way up until 2005. So Tim hears your music, flies over, shocked that you guys are. I mean, in that time, you're Scandinavia is producing all the Backstreet. And Britney, and you know anything the between Sharon and the other thing that's sort of like Sharon. Yeah. Sweden is producing the cleanest regular pop, yeah. and then not that far away, you guys just. I can imagine a lot of Norwegian producers at the time were trying to copy the Swedes, not being like, "Oh no, I'm going to be the next," you know, "I want to be the next Quincy Jones." Right? No, you should I mean, think so. But I mean, that was our big inspiration: is looking at Dennis Pop and Max Martin and those sure. guys and Sharon and and seeing that these guys are about the same age as us. Sure. They have the same equipment. They're from the same similar type of town, and they're ruling the world yeah and, and working with all this uh, this great artist and having huge hits worldwide sure. hits so why couldn't we do it right that's how we looked at it and and again very very inspiring to see that it's possible so of course we kind of modeled or tried to model right. ourselves after that without trying to copy the sound right because that's right you can't just be like a second tier Sharon. that's not going to get you anywhere you have to right. kind of find your own voice and your own musical expression right. did, did you move to the uk we never moved we just traveled back and forth because right. we had a big setup in norway we had a huge sure. studio with with two rooms and a huge live room and then a very nice setup so we had the UK um, and international artists come to us and right. record. Right. So sometimes there were like paparazzi lurking out in the bushes in sure. Trondheim and and everyone and in Trondheim and knows, Blue and you know, all those guys came came through. And they're all sitting there. You know, all the there must have been the whole town must have loved it though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I they, mean, it's just to go and put a you know that that pin on the on the map where everyone can say, oh yeah, this there's something happening in this town. It's pretty remarkable and. Um, and all these you know, 
stars were work, walking around in the city and went out to the clubs and sure. to the restaurants and but people are very polite in Norway so they right. don't go up and necessarily approach you or ask to take a picture but right. they they're just like watching and oh look look who's over there like so is I mean when does Neo show in the picture because it really seems like there's there's the music that you're doing in the UK very successful people know who you are and then it all explodes in like 2005 and 6 and mm. 7 all the way through now. I mean, what when yeah. did um when did Neo show up and were you thinking this guy's an artist or a writer cuz the I think I was looking at that unfaithful, irreplaceable and so sick all come out at the, 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 almost the exact same time. Right. No, we thought we had a great run in the UK and and we did. We had like 8 years of sure. uh, consistent big records right. but at a certain point uh, Tim our manager said that was a, uh, a guy at Radio 1 or the radio station who said if I if I hear one more Stargate song now, now I'm just gonna throw up so they were they were so tired of of, of us having that many hits right. I guess so they were like no so was it was some so of then, that because of your sound, or was some of it because the industry was it the industry, or were you guys not branching out enough, or was it just sort of these whatever? It's just, just politics it just happens. So you just hit hit that wave, and and people told us that enough is enough, and and uh, we had to move on, which was a blessing because then yeah. we were like, what do we do? Do we just shut it down, or do we? try something else and then we scared always at this had point the, i mean at that yeah, point you're being told bit, like we're your the doors yeah. that are wide open you've had all these number one songs but we're gonna in the uk and we're gonna close this door for you yeah and it's not of like course. you did anything wrong you it's not like you were you didn't do anything that earned that kind of disdain right no, but i guess also it can happen when all of us has had made a little bit of money and we had houses and cars yeah. and we're like getting maybe a little bit complacent mm. and then you lose the edge Interesting. that can happen. Yeah, Maybe that was one of the reasons. Um, but luckily then we decided to do a week in New York. Use our last money in the company account and book flights and studios and just go for it because we've always had the dream about US but sure. never really kind of broken through. We'd tried a few projects but it didn't, right. didn't amount to anything. So then we jumped on the plane, booked the studio, uh, called our publisher who helped us uh, set up a few sessions with like mid-level uh, writers and um, and we just did one week. And the goal was to sell one song in that week because right. then we would break even and then we could, uh, then come, we back. could come back for another right. week. So we managed to sell one song. I, th- I think it was some... Paula Deanda, or, or I don't even remember. It was like a unknown artist right. at that time. Right. Um, but we sold the song, and we could come back for another another trip. And right. that's where Tim and Danny, our management, met Neo at a meeting at a record company. And at this they, point, he had nothing. He hadn't written mm, anything yet. Actually, or at that he, point, was he, he already a big was writer? Just breaking through with the Mario "Let Me Love You" record. Oh, so right. he just kind of had a. I don't know if it was number one at that point, but it was it was going. Right. So then they listened to his uh, songs and material and, and were blown away, and they told us about him. Yo, we we listened, we heard this amazing artist writer 
at this record company. You guys would love it. Right. And then by chance, Neo showed up at Sony Studios in New York for for some meetings or some other business, right. and we were able to lure him into our room. Right. And playing play him some of our tracks and our music, and uh, and he loved it. He was like he couldn't believe that these two skinny Norwegians yeah. made this this music. So um, so the, it, it was just like a chemistry that was instant. Yeah. And again, it doesn't matter where you come from in music, as long as you share the same. Kind of, passion and references and love right. for music and, and and he quickly understood that oh these guys know what they're doing and vice versa we we just were just breathtaking by his talent and his voice and his writing so you're like you're sitting down at a piano and you start or the keyboard and you start doing the so sick is so sick first or no no it's not First, we did one or two other ones before that. I think we did a ballad called Time, which is also one of his first okay. album. Um, <clears throat> and then um, Neo's manager, Tango, comes in. He's he's in the building as well. And that's when we start writing So Sick, <clears throat> right. which is a, this little uh, yeah, harp riff that, that we came up with and Neo just gravitated to it. And, and I know he, in his stories, he's telling us that he had this song already and he was just waiting for the right music right, to, to kind on. of yeah. sure. put it on. Sure. Um, and when he heard this song, he was just, this is it. This It just clicked. Yeah. But then after we get started on So Sick, just a verse and a, and a pre, I think, um, the manager comes in and says, uh, no, 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 we don't need any more mid-tempos or ballads. We right. we want to up-tempo with brass sounds and banging beats. and sure. So so stop what you're doing and, and do that instead. And at that point, we we weren't anyone to argue. So right. we, we said, okay, we'll, we'll do that instead then. And then we did this other song with banging beats and brass stabs and all that good stuff. That turned out okay. But luckily, afterwards, we finished So Sick. And then uh, somehow just during that, you just end up writing three massive songs with the Rihanna one, uh, Beyonce, and Neo. And all three of their careers. You know, I guess Unfaithful was really important for Rihanna because it obviously took her from um, Ponda Under Replay and SOS and some of some of those more poppy records. And then here's like a real lyric. Mm. And, and 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 a really pretty ballad, but mm-hmm. it's super. I mean, it's, I still have trouble listening to it because of how strong that lyric is. It's mm. really like a it's, it's a dangerous lyric, yeah, you know. It is. And you're releasing all this music that's becoming that's shaping these massive stars. Was uh, trying to get to New York, spending your last dollar. You go and you write these songs with Neo, and then all of a sudden, you guys are. Like super producers, you know, from the release of So Sick was that that was or whichever one was first, mm-hmm. you know, from the release of that to when people start calling you for everything. I mean, then all the doors must open, right? Yeah, that I happened mean, really quickly, and we knew the moment we wrote So Sick as well when we'd finished recording yeah. it. Probably took Neil twenty minutes to record those vocals. Right, we just knew this is the best song we've ever done, and this is really special. Yeah, and that same night. 
all the guys like Tata and Jay Brown and and the the Def Jam people came down to the studio, listened to it, and were dancing around. So everybody knew this was special. Yeah, we had no idea it was a number one or a big record. Like, sure. Uh, but we knew it was the best stuff we'd ever done, and at yeah. that point, we knew we have a shot at making it here sure. as well. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I mean, really ups to Annie, I'm, I'm noticing just as you start having more and more songs that do well, then you, you realize when something's really not great. Yeah. And you kind of skip through that much faster. I think that's the advantage of having, once you start seeing, oh, that's what it takes. Right. You know, then I guess I should put in that extra effort. Mm. Because I know that the difference between this song that's going to sit on my iTunes or at that time in your hard drive, maybe, mm. you know, you know, to have it, the difference between that and the song that goes to radio and then the song that reacts at radio mm. There, there is a difference. Oh yeah, huge difference. I mean, I, I, I just realizing how yeah. simple it can be as well. That's sure. all, that also takes a long time because when you become good, right. you want to do all this fancy stuff and you want to produce it and add harmonies and you want right. to make it sound really professional. But it's when you understand like it's all about the core of the song, like the sure. the harmonic and melodic core and the lyrics, and that's what matters. And all that right. other stuff is. That's one of the things you guys do really well is that you look at um, you look at the Sweden Swedish counterparts, and when I'm writing over there, we're stacking a lot of harmonies, and there's a lot of counter melodies, all these things happening at once. You know, we're doing 16 tracks and choruses, and right. it's like a wall of sound vibe, mm. um, which is very different than a lot of these songs are one vocal. Yeah. No harmonies, no, you know, very few background things, and and you're just letting the singer sing it, and and the production even like something like same old love is really a good example of the difference between what, you know, what happens even from when we first wrote that song to the track that we wrote it to right. to where you guys took it. Where mm. here that we wrote it to a track that was had a lot of guitars, was, you know, uh, almost up-tempo, kind of Katy Perry-ish. Right. And then you guys, uh, you didn't marry yourselves to it. Instead, you said, well, let's, let's throw the track away. We love the top line. And to start completely over. I mean, how do you not get emotionally attached to some songs? That's probably um, due to our eight years in the UK remixing a lot of big records from the US. And yeah. then we did our European versions. Sure. So we kind of learned that 
you can totally change a song with just altering chords and production. Right. Um, and we do that a lot, actually, because you, you always have the original. So it's not right. like you're discarding it. You're just, oh, let's see what else right. we can do. Let's see if there are any other um, chords or... or it, but nobody uh, wants to put in that effort. I can't tell you how many times you're yeah. in a session where, I mean, the, what the joke I make is, that, you know, production is the best way to screw up a song. You know, yeah. I just think of, like, here, it's a we have a perfectly good song and then a producer comes along over and over again and just like does this this weird whack production and then you're like well maybe it's not the right production and they get really offended rather than you know maybe we should uh see what else we can do with this mm. you know and the fact that you guys aren't ever married to it is is probably you know a forte no one else can really hear unless they work with you so i think mm. that's pretty cool no is, I, I love doing that and and it is, of course, also recognizing a, a good top line. Some songs are are not um, worth working that extra or put, putting that extra effort into. But but some songs, again, they could change totally the whole expression, and you can create magic by just changing it around a little bit and and seeing kind of what else is is in there. Does um, English being your second language? Mm. Does that affect how you hear certain top line? Is that is that I'm, you know? I'm sure. So if 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 we can't understand it or get it, then we usually say, "Hey, can you say this in a simpler way?" Or can sure. you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the I'm simple just... thing for you guys is really interesting because I can't I can't write "Rude Boy." There's no way I walk into a room and write "Rude Boy." There's no way I can do that. I can't do. Uh, you guys did What's My Name too, mm. right? And uh, I can't write that. I can't write the Esther Dean top line. Right. Like that turns out to be the next. After Neo, you end up with Esther as like a, as a main collaborator, and what she writes is something that is so not just doesn't it doesn't make sense with me because I can't I can't simplify that much. Right. Every time I do, I think. Nah, this isn't any good. Right. And then you guys end up with. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. What's my name? Yeah. Oh, nah. It's like, can you say that? Can are you it be allowed that to simple? say that? Right. I mean, we've done a that's couple a... records that are, are pretty simple. Right. But I don't. I, I think that's like. Um, it takes so much confidence to mm. say, nah, this is done. Right. This is yeah. done. And we can, we can, we can say, come True. and get it over and over again, or same yeah. old love over and over again, and be like, no, 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 you're going to want to sing along to this right. still. You know, uh, Lionel Richie has the best quote. I just saw him the other day. He's uh, such a great, great guy. And he told us a long time ago that it's not about if I can sing it, it's about if they can sing it. Right. So that's his motto as well. It's like he doesn't care if, if the lyrics are super clever and has a deeper meaning. It's about can my audience and can does it uh, relate to my audience and can people sure. sing it? It's funny you say that because you have you have someone like Sia that you work with a lot too, mm. and Sia goes from she manages in a lot of these songs to be lyrically simple but melodically really complex. Right. I mean, even Diamonds is a pretty complex melody mm. considering how simple the lyrics are, and they're not even that simple. They're super unique. That singability, there's like that's the thing that I think is uh, unanimous with the uh, the Scandinavians is the love of melody. Hmm. 
you know, that there's, there is that. She can sing all over the place. I mean, how do you go from, you know, the rhythmic feel of Esther to the melodic feel of Sia? How does all that happen to you? How, how when you hear that, how are you connected to such different kinds of top liners? Mm. Uh, it's a tough question, but I mean, it's all about emotional connection and you just feel it when there's some magic there and when sure. it feels right, then you roll with that. And even though they're very different, it's all about character for me. It's all, right. all about like, uh, does it have that character and that uh, emotion that we're we're looking for? Yeah. And if it doesn't, we'll try something else. And both Sia and Esther has a very very strong character. Right. And same lyrically, we always try to look for statements or lyrics that. When when you're actually saying something, right. not just talking about um, your general feelings or I'm so right. sad today or like right. you, please come back, but just telling a story, and that's what's so great about Neo as well. He really draws you in and um, and paints a picture. Sure. Um, when did you guys start collaborating with other producers? Your relationship with Benny is super unique. Mm. There aren't a lot of producers, especially two huge production companies getting together and saying, yeah, let's just make some songs right. together. I mean, that same philosophy of how you're not married to a track is something that shows that sh- that's shows where your ego doesn't get in the way of your music writing and then to go and collaborate with another producer in an era where that's just sort of beginning and you guys are Mm. kind of trailblazing the idea of oh no we're all a community and to not view it as this is ours and that's yours where did that start and how did you start collaborating with with someone like benny um i think it started even back in norway as well uh, we were even resistant in sharing our publishing rights or sharing our like commissions with managers until we realized like, hey, wait a minute, they add so much value to the whole picture that I mean right. the pie the pie is becoming bigger, so it's good for everyone. Right. And the same we applied to to other producers and writers. It doesn't matter if we share if we can do more and do better and do bigger things. Right. So uh, that's really I think been important for us to work with other producers like Benny and Sandy and Cashmere and like right. all these other great uh, producers and, and writers um, Is it, we've done a bunch of these writing camps together where you have this sort of free flow everyone writes with each other run into each other's rooms and say hey how about this idea or how about that idea and mm. um, that also seems to be something that you guys are not afraid of. Was that something that you guys had somebody suggested you should try it? Or was it something where you guys said, no, we should start doing this. No one else is doing this. I mean, how does that start where the, the first time we wrote together, mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, it's you guys and and me and Amar and Dano and maybe even Jason, Sia and yeah, Jeff yeah. Basker and right, Nate yeah. from Fun and... You know, we had all these people coming in and out of these mm. rooms. We hadn't done Where it did that, that start? much. We hadn't actually done it before um, Before we started working more in LA. Uh-huh. In New York, we didn't really have camps like that. It was more like 
single sessions. Yeah. Um, so I think it was Benny actually who introduced us to that way of working. Yeah. And uh, we just thought it was really fun and yeah. inspiring way of yeah of doing it. It's very intense, but sure. uh, also there's a lot of great ideas that come out of it usually. And also one another reason for bringing in other producers to collaborate with is of course to just to keep it fresh because when you're in the studio every single day I worked with Tor for 18 years and right. uh, we made some incredible music together but at, its, at a certain point it's also great to have someone come in with a fresh idea that none sure. of us could have come up with right, and then course. we feed off of that and, yeah. and can do our best right. with other people as well Right. so we're just trying to keep it really fluent and, and open and sure. um, so is that how you treat it even when you're with... Because you're jumping around all over the place when you were saying that you were with Lionel. I know you're working on Killers. You just had the Coldplay album, and yet we were just talking about Rihanna and Beyonce. Mm. And I mean, is that... Um, do you guys look for branching out on... You obviously look for branching out on the artist side also. So you're trying new things on the production, trying new things on the artist. Is that... Is that uh, are you learning from anybody? Who, who else does that on the, on the artist side? Mm. I mean, we're learning every single day. And that's, again, also what keeps me inspired and keeps it fresh is that you work with so many different types right. of genres and types of artists. Right. And again, I think that's a, an advantage of coming from Europe that we don't necessarily belong to a certain group of right. people or we're not locked into a genre. So we can go from a Sugarland or a Keith Urban record to... Wiz Khalifa or Selena Gomez and uh, yeah. Coldplay and everything in between. No, it's just very inspiring to work with that level of talent in all these different genres. I also know that there's other things that inspire you. Now you are a, an investor and a founder of a clothing company. Yeah, we have a few other uh, fun ventures as well. So you're jumping from okay now you, you're. The expanding. This is when I said you're. You know, as as an entrepreneur, I don't know other people who on the production side and the writer side that are so aggressive on being part of other ventures like clothing and spinnable, which we'll get into. But how do you go and get involved in clothing? I mean, did someone approach you or you just, how does this happen? Uh, no, actually that happened, it? no, not really. I've, I've, I mean, obviously always loved uh, to wear clo clothes, right, but, of course. <laughs> right? But exactly. never like super into fashion or high right. fashion. But um, this designer from Norway, I just started um, wearing his clothes, right. and really loved the fit and the quality and the materials and the way the the aesthetics. Yeah. So it just happened organically that. When I started wearing the clothes, I got a lot of comments like, "Hey, well, what's what's that? I love that jacket or that shirt." Right. And uh, after a while, uh, my wife Hege and me um, found out that hey, there's a lot more potential here than the current company and the line. Right. We think this could be a lot bigger because right. then it was super super small um, uh, local. And where brand. is it right now? And uh, now it's we're in uh, almost 200 stores worldwide, and uh, have built a couple of our own stores as well, and uh, it's it's gone really well. So how are you going from that 
and to something like Spinnable, which is a new app, and are those are those connected in any way? I mean, are you gonna? How do you 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 keep branching out? Where does Spinnable come into this? Right. I mean, there's there's always synergies, but I think um, the core of it is that I just have a need to create, and I when I see something that I just want to make it bigger or make it. It's hard to explain. Just to make something more out of it and and bring something new to the world. Right, right. Uh, and the same sp- with that tech tech company that you're referring to called Spinnable, which is a new social app that all the content, the pictures and videos are immersive, so that you can actually look around in kind of a virtual reality experience. Um, Again, just the first time I saw that technology seven years ago, I was blown away and I knew this is the future. This is how we are going to consume content and communicate. And um, yeah. And now the last few years, it's really caught on and people are are becoming used to it and aware of that type of, of technology and VR um, immersive experiences. It's cool because so. it's not an app that that looks like it's a fad. It's not just some sort of thing where you know we've seen some of these apps where it distorts your face or it does. Right. You know, it, it's like it's something that everyone uses for uh, a couple weeks and then it gets oversaturated and no one uses exactly. it anymore. And, and this actually feels like this could be a a Vine or a in in. Uh, Instagram of sorts. Right. It certainly can be integrated in all of it. Yeah. No, that's what what I believe too. That it's it's come it's come to stay, and uh, it's just the beginning. Right. Uh, it's really the remarkable. Ca- the cameras are gonna become a lot better. They're gonna become integrated into your phone. Right. The virtual reality headsets are gonna become better, and but the the most important thing is that the content is going to get better and that's where we think we can make something really great we're creating content that people care about considering where you grew up where you had access to computers that no one else really had access to and that you were able to see technology before anyone else could it kind of makes sense that you would see Mm. this and say this could be the next thing yeah. i imagine that's sort of that training that you had when you were six seven and eight mm-hmm. years old of seeing here's you know i can make music with this thing that mm-hmm. you can see something like this camera and this app and think oh yeah this is gonna be something that a lot of people can make movies with can make uh, you know whatever conversation with it, socially this mm-hmm. that it that you can see that this is new technology i imagine that you're you know you're everyone that you grew up with who knew that you were into computers then is pretty impressed with this app also. Yeah, I I just love coming up with ideas and making making them real. Sure. I mean that's Great. the reason we do music as well, right? It's creating something that makes a difference and that people care about and yeah. and, and it kind of takes on its own life. And the same I think this spinnable app can I can't wait to see how people will use it and how they will, uh, what they can create with it. Are your kids into music and stuff? Yeah, they're they're very into, uh, they both sing and dance and uh, follow popular culture and and music. 
Have they been able to use the spinnable? Have, have they been doing spinnable in school? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like of that? course. I mean, when they look at a regular picture now, they try to touch it and swipe it and look look around, right. but it's static. It doesn't move. Right. So How like, old are they? They're 8 and 12, two right. girls. That's awesome, man. So they're really, really into both music they, and tech. They when they listen to. to radio, are they just constantly telling their friends? My, my dad wrote that. No, we would try to, <laughs> to hold it down a little bit. Right. But, uh, I'm sure they're they're proud, so they wanna wanna tell their friends about it. Well, I have to say thank you because without your uh, without your part of my career, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. So likewise, I, it's, Ross, it's, it's pretty uh, amazing to see um, from that first session of hoping that you guys didn't hear that song <laughs> to being in this position where we can share multiple hits together yeah. and and. It, just feels like the beginning of this community of inclusiveness and you guys are leading the way by by putting your ego aside and connecting with so many different producers and writers and artists and and everyone's recognizing that that's happening and that's why it's not like you guys are surviving in this you guys are flourishing at such a high level and I just think uh, everyone who knows you is really proud to be a part of your community so Likewise, we are very proud to be part of it as well. And we are so fortunate to work with people like yourself and uh, everyone we work with. It's, uh, I mean, it's, of course, as you know, it's truly a team effort. Yeah. What we do is only, only half, the, half the job. Nice. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you on the Spinnable app. Definitely. All see right, you buddy. soon. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silberstein from Mega House Music, and Michael White. Here's a sneak peek of next week's And The Writer Is. It's L.A. Reed, who for some reason is hanging, just hanging with Sierra. Just Sierra's there randomly. Right. You got L.A., Sierra, Tricky Stewart, Larry, you know, my publisher, and me. And it's, you know, it's after hours. It's all shut off and dark and everything. And they walk me into a big audition rehearsal stage room. It's almost like a screening room, like a small theater. And there's a piano on stage. And L.A.'s like, you know, can you play a song? Oh, I was so nervous. I've never, ever, ever been more nervous. Can you imagine that? It's no. A, this, this theater holds like 400 people and you have L.A. Sierra and Tricky just sitting there in the front row just looking at you like, sing us a song. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.